hello everyone hello internet people to the first what if history uh podcast past present and future uh my name is brock rills my name is zach hartwick perfect perfect and uh yeah what basically the premise of what we're going to try and do here um is look at historical events and also current events uh and see uh how the either the course of history would be changed or what we think may happen into the future uh i think for today i think we're going to focus on uh historical event um one that actually i did a little bit more research into zach and it seems like it might be it might be not completely true or may just be uh uh what's the word i'm looking for an urban legend that's what i'm that's what i'm looking for but uh we should what was the name of the basically I'm just going to see. I want to look up the name of that soldier. Uh, the British soldier. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading what you were talking about, how um, it actually, the story itself came from, um, basically the idea of the story is there was a British soldier who saw a wounded German soldier in World War One walking across like a misty, smoky trench line. He had no, you know, he was injured, had no guns, anything like that. And he basically Which already the, sounds like mysticism. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you know, like in itself. You know, he was dazed. Hen- really Henry Tansy. Andrew Tansy. That's Henry. what it was. Um, yeah, Tandy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he basically just he saw he saw the soldier there. You know, put his rifle on him. Was ready to take the shot. Saw that he was unarmed. The German soldier saw him. Was basically like, "All right, you know, I'm dead. You can shoot me." And uh, the British soldier let him go. Tansy let him go. Um, and uh evidently that soldier was adolf hitler so um but go ahead because you were saying it's it's not necessarily a true story because the source of the story is hitler himself so you know what i mean exactly <laughs> so that's so there's a bbc article um written by bethan bell here from uh, bbc news um and basically kind of goes into a bit more detail on the story but basically this guy henry tandy was the most decorated private uh in in world war one and exactly as, as Zach said, that you know, there was a couple times that he tempered. I forget what the the, the uh, tempered bravery uh, with with uh, mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this story kind of arose out of that. Um, and it was known that he had spared a few soldiers. And so it, it was entirely possible that Hitler could have heard about that. And apparently, the first time the story comes up is when um, uh, Chamberlain, uh, the Prime Minister of uh, Britain at the time uh, went to visit Hitler in 1938, um, and <clears throat> at that time uh, Hitler regaled him with a story of that he could have died in World War One and yada yada yada. Um, but it's a lot of other people are also saying that this was a, another kind of um, propaganda tactic that that uh, Hitler was using and knew that uh, Chamberlain would eat up because basically. What this shows from Hitler's side is that it was ordained by God or whoever that he should live so that he could become the great Fuhrer of, of Germany or whatever. That's what he was trying to sell. That was his. That's what he was trying to to put out there. And so that's where there's a lot of skepticism that comes in because he was doing it to kind of help his own image. 
Yeah, and that was at the time, too, where he was... It wasn't during wartime, because when Chamberlain had met him, he was still kind of just using his political muscle. He was, um, you know, he was the man of the year, Time Magazine. He'd, he, you know, he'd rebuilt Germany, and he was kind of this, like, mastermind, but not necessarily at the time known as, you know, the evil figure he would come to be. But, um, you know, he was still, he, you know, stuff was still going on. He was masking that, and he was really just trying to create this image, like you yeah. said, that he was... Uh, this was- it, it was preordained. Yeah. He was gonna. He was gonna rebuild the German Empire. You know the Reich, and um, it was. It was something mm-hmm. that uh, you know. Couldn't and this stop. is all during Chamberlain's peace in our time, like stuff he was selling, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Did, they didn't want you know, a great war, which you know, understandable. But <laughs> what was the term? What was the term for that? I'm forgetting it right now. You make you're. They were making concessions to Hitler, and there was actually a term for it. Uh, I can't remember what, what it was. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure, um, mm-hmm. but like, cause like that's the thing they they did they did appeasements, I suppose. Yeah, that's what it was. Appeasement policy. Appeasement. Appeasement. Um, that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, basically they they ended up giving him Austria, Czech Republic, you know, um, and then he started taking a bit too too big of a too too ambitious pieces of territory, and finally, you know, it, it eventually led to mm-hmm. war, of course, which is exactly mm-hmm. what he was looking mm-hmm. to do. He was going to take as much as he mm-hmm. could before he could, exactly. <laughs> you know, before it actually came to arms, because that's where he wanted it to go anyway so mm-hmm. shake um, a hand with uh shake someone's hand with one hand and stab them in the back of the knife with the other basically. literally well that's the thing right like i mean they had he'd made deals with stalin um well before the war um but the whole time he obviously planned on invading soviet russia like it was never it was never a permanent thing he just didn't necessarily want to fight them both at the same time because uh obviously you saw but then ended up attacking them anyway <laughs> yeah, like like an idiot was, yeah exactly it, it all fell apart on him in the end but that's so not staying, really what we want to on talk, the, talk about. Yeah. No, no, no. So I, I, and it's important though. First, and I like where we're on here because we want to, in the same way that like you know, philosophers of old would, you spend half of your book on definition. You spend half of your book on defining what you're going to say and kind of taking away a lot of the criticisms that could be. So what we're doing here at the start is we're trying to show all the holes in this story to then get to the fiction section. Um, And so uh, just to kind of go through a couple more quick details on why this is probably not legit. Um, So Tandy was interviewed uh, after shortly after Chamberlain's visit and his answer to the press was, I guess I met him before. Um, Basically. um, And it was later on after they'd been bombed in World War II and then they found him and asked him again, like right after his house had been bombed. And then he's like, what have I done? So like, I don't know if that's like an emotional response, but the, another one is apparently Chamberlain, after he heard about this, came back to Britain and then telephoned Tandy to, to tell him that, you know, the fear had told him the story. But that's really difficult considering Tandy didn't own a telephone. Yeah, which, you know, obviously wouldn't be a common thing for a, for a regular soldier to have, right? Not at the time. No, but he was he was a civvy at this point, right? Yeah, like, well, he exactly. Didn't have like, a mean, phone at his house. Yeah, somebody who's on probably a soldier's salary worked a blue collar mm-hmm. job, likely in the in mm-hmm. time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I so, agree. So it, he- it's it seems it it seems a bit like even if the story was true, I see I would find it unlikely that Chamberlain would then you know go home and then telephone up the soldier. You know what I mean to tell him the story that he let the Fuhrer live, who at the time. 
it wouldn't it's not that crazy at the time you know what i mean he hadn't done any horrible things that were known to the world at the time so he wouldn't be like oh you let this horrible person live right what you know so like what would be the point of him telephoning him at the time and telling him that right so well he did in 38 he didn't know that taylor was terrible right exactly thought peace in our time so but my um Another, another, just again, I want to kind of touch on all the points this article touched on because there's a lot of good, like, reasons to be skeptical about this. Um, uh, another one is is that Hitler was on leave during the time that this that this event was supposed to happen. He, well, he, um, he, see, his, he was wounded, right? Like, because he he was wounded by the time the he was still recovering when the war ended. No, but so. again, that may that could all be fake too. Hitler could have just made that up. Like all the, the the like, what I'm saying is, is that like Hitler was actually his. First of all, his battalion was 50 miles north of where Tandy was mm-hmm. uh, on that date. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just read what that he has here. Two events that were separated by 20 years on uh, 28 September 1918. Private Tandy earned the Victoria Cross for most suspicious bravery initiative. 20 years later, Hitler himself said to have planted the seeds of legend during visit. Blah 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 blah. Long story short, um, there's a lot of there's more more than likely not true, more than likely propaganda. Which but exactly, especially during World War Two. But Hitler gets killed by Tandy. Let's say the story's true. Yeah, he pulls the trigger. What what happens next? What like Hitler's down on the ground? Bullet through his head, blood raining down his little mustache, <laughs> and that's it. But the Nazi party is done. They're stopped in their tracks. World War II never happened. Well, that's not necessarily true either, right? So <laughs> let's um, let's let's go back and just say so he's dead. And you know what? To be honest, it doesn't really matter at that point because in World War One, Hitler was pretty much a nobody. He was, you know, he was a uh, he was a private as well, basically. Exactly. Like I, th- you know, he wasn't a it wasn't an officer, or at least a senior. Honestly, officer. he was really a nobody until right around the time he sees uh, the power of, of of the Nazi Party, like like. He had a growing popularity, but his his incline of popularity and fame is deep. <laughs> it's true. Like it, it happened. It really quickly. is. Like if we want to kind of take a look at what actually happened, is is you know like he didn't even start the Nazi party. Let's let's go back to that. Actually, um, you know he he joined that party um, and he he slowly kind of worked his way and uh, up and and then. It pretty much uh exp- did a coup on a coup on the uh on the leadership took it over Com- didn't completely change its you know ideals it kind of was what it was at the time and that's why he joined it right like not, like and uh, then, and anti-semitism then tried wasn't, to coup the uh, government <laughs> well he did coup the government and then he failed yeah and they arrested first. him yeah yeah there's the beer hall push uh basically where he tried mm-hmm. to do a, an armed an armed overthrow of the government um which failed miserably several of his men were killed he went to jail for several years um which made him extremely bitter yeah, it's almost like something like that happened recently <laughs> yeah really right it's uh you, you can you can see let's not let that happen. be their beer hall push <laughs> yeah exactly <clears throat> right but th- you know this kind of thing was common in germany at the time it was common in a lot of different places at the time where <laughs> Um, these parties mm-hmm. would pretty much just go out and have street fights. Um, you know, they would fight each yeah. other. You know, see, see who's the who, who's stronger, and you know that would give. Man, them- have you ever watched the Italian Parliament? Like, <laughs> yes. go, go watch the Italian 
parliament today. Like, yeah. like whatever the time is, they get intense, man. <laughs> they get pretty close to blow, blow to bows, like in the legislature. Like it, you know, sometimes it's, you know, intense, it's uh, with you. that's what you might want to do. Sometimes, I could, I could see why that would happen. Um, you have to start like, uh, putting like, people like UFC fighters in on your um, <laughs> candidates. You know what I mean? Get them to run. They're like, all right, you're gonna run in this round. Like in your sure, I think they make sure that they get in. <laughs> And then uh, all of a sudden the fight, uh, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Oh man! (laughs) Um, But one thing I wanted to bring up, and I think you and I talked about a few things in in the lead up to this episode, into our inaugural episode. Um, But one thing we didn't talk about, and this is, and I know I said that Hitler's incline of popularity was very steep, but he did have some slow. He had some creeping popularity of his ideas, even though even if he himself didn't have personal popularity because of Mein Kampf. Um, and so that's, that to me is the biggest lynch piece in this whole story, um, in terms of how much would have been different if Hitler was killed in World War One. And I think his biggest contribution in terms of building it to what it was, was Mein Kampf, because a lot of regular Germans read that and were like, yeah, we're not getting, we're, the Treaty of Versailles was terrible. We're not getting, we're getting the short end of the stick. This guy, Hitler was just trying to like help us, uh, help Germany be great again. Um, and uh and now he's you know in jail and this is you know whatever so and then when he got out and he served his time in 33 or 32 whenever it was or 31 i can't remember when he got out but it was not too long after that that he can you know continued in a leadership role in the nazi party and then um won won in an election and then so he did it the democratic way at first but then he forced out all of his opponents and criminalized them Pretty much, um, like yeah. they, they, at the time, like uh, in Germany, it was pretty much uh, the government was con- in complete shambles. Like a- after World War One, there was some pretty heavy reparations laid down on them. Um, you know, the German Empire mm-hmm. was disbanded essentially. Um, they mm-hmm. became the Ki- the Kaiser abdicated. They became a republic. Um, but you know, they, they had that pretty much forced on them. They weren't re- quite ready for it yet. And all of these parties, you know, came, came together and there was a lot, there was a lot of violence amongst them because they were, people were just jockeying for power. There was mass inflation. Mm-hmm. There was mass poverty. Like there, there was some pretty bad mm-hmm. stuff going on there. Lot, lots of unemployment. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- things were ripe for, for a takeover essentially, right? Like they, they, they were looking for somebody to lead them out of the mess that they were in. And also, as a catalyst, anti-Semitism was rampant during oh, the yeah. 19th century. I mean, Absolutely. you could still argue that it's, I mean, it's still an issue today, yeah. a huge issue today. Absolutely. Um, and so, but even in, but especially back then, it was like, like, you know, Hitler realized that they were the perfect scapegoat, and that's why he used it. Absolutely. You know? and, and, so, and it wasn't just in Germany. I mean, anti-Semitism was everywhere in all the major countries. Oh, yeah, all time, Europe, right? all across Europe, because oh. it was this idea that, like, I think people uh, resented the fact that Jews continued to maintain their own culture and their own religion and their own faith, and that continued to make them a set-apart target, um, so to speak. And this was an issue, like I said, in Spain, in Germany, in Britain, and, you know, all across uh, Europe. Um, um, but, um, so I honestly am of the belief, and I know you and I have talked about this as well, but I, I honestly don't think that much would have changed. I, just, I think Mein Kampf was a big one. But again, he was hitting on what he had done is he had put into words what a lot of German people were feeling at the time, but then pointed them at a certain 
you know, blame either the Jews or, or whoever it was, right. Which was not necessarily right. Um, but that sentiment of being upset. And so part of me believes that you could have had a Goering or a Goebbels, um, who was charismatic enough to seize that position. Um, even if the party hadn't been called the Nazi party, just that idea of, you know, make Germany great again. Like it might not have united under the Nazi helm, but it still might've been equally, uh, bad. To be honest, <laughs> like I, I honestly would have, I would be more along the lines of it likely becoming a communist government and possibly joining in the Soviet Union, right? Because uh, mm, during the rise, during the rise, that's an interesting take. Oh, absolutely! Like I mean, during the rise of when Hitler was, you know, taking the Nazi Party, uh, trying trying to make it big, like the communists were some of his biggest uh, opponents, and they they were the people he really hated. It's kind of funny that you know. Uh, the Nazi party is the National Socialist German Workers Party because Hitler actually really hated socialists. He hated communism. Um, and, you know, communism was a big thing at the time, right? It was, it was kind of new. Um, you know, different countries were, you know, a lot, a lot of different countries were having these parties. Um, yeah, and I'm sure it would have been appealing to the average German at the time of because course, right? you're like, because, because, and if for nothing else, even if you don't understand the politics, you see it as a means of getting away from Western influence. That's fucked you through the Treaty of Vienna or through the Treaty of Versailles, right? Absolutely, right. Like it's it, it's something. It's also you know the the people in uh, Russia overthrew you know uh, the nobility. They overthrew the arist- the aristocrats, um, and they kind of formed their own government. Obviously, it wasn't really going um, as well as everyone might have thought it was over there. But that that wasn't you know what the average person would see in another country, right? They would see that the people rose up and taken power for themselves, and that was probably really attractive, right? And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and, you know, mm-hmm. Hitler's party really st- pretty much stamped out communism completely in Germany. So if he wasn't there, you know, to, to lead um, his party, you know, I, I think that it was quite possible that it could have gone in the other direction. And Well, that was one of the ways they made it, e- that they got rid of it. They just made being a communist illegal. Oh, completely illegal. <laughs> it was like, punishable by death, right? Like, you were, you were done. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that like, I think we could explore that aspect, right? Because obviously we know... I didn't even um, think of that. Uh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like the Cold War obviously happened immediately after, you know, World War II where communism and uh, capitalism were kind of just oh, clashing, right? Would it have been an immediate Cold War then? Like would Germany have would whatever? Have or would it cold? have been a world war between Russia but and and the world? But then here's the other side you got to think of. The only the reason why Russia was able to industrialize was because of World War II. I wouldn't say that was true either. Um, like there, right. there were definitely they definitely went complete industrialization, just like the German government did, right? They they went full on um, war industry, um, and that's how they were able to produce so much in such a small amount of time. But um, they they certainly were. The Soviet Union was expansionist. They were attacking Finland at the time. They were fighting with uh, Japan. You know what I mean? Like they they were certainly um, they weren't just kind of sitting back waiting for the Germans to attack them as, as much as that might have kind of seemed that way. Well, yeah, they did. No, you're right about Japan because they yeah because the Americans basically left at one point too. Right? Like there was a lot yeah, going on. Like, um, you know, like pre pre World War Two that kind of uh, you know led doesn't to, get talked about. Yeah, you know, there, there's certainly a lot that we could go into there, but but I think at the time, right, the Soviet Union um, was certainly it had its eyes all over um, the west, the western parts of Europe, or at least western according to its borders. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if there was no 
conflict that was happening with Germany and, and you know, and the other Western countries, uh, we certainly could have seen the Soviet um, allied conflict a lot earlier or, you know, sorry, it yeah. didn't really happen at all, let's say, but it could have happened. Or maybe they would have industrialized through that through a Cold War. Because there was a lot of industrialization and 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 technological technological research during the Cold War as well. And you know what you would know? have happened when they if they didn't lose millions of people and and have their infrastructure largely True. obliterated True. by the German invasion, True. right? Like, True. Um, they had a lot of rebuilding True. to do after. So, well, because they did burn and turn, right? Oh, absolutely. That was the plan. Like there was burn and turn. <laughs> the Germans don't let the Germans have anything. Exactly. Burn the village like, to the ground before they get here. What? Like. Western Ball. Asia was their wasteland. Ball. <laughs> like, like, that is, like, you know, the memes where they drop the sunglasses down, like, and it goes like, da, 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 like, yeah. you gotta give credit to the Russian, the Russian people, especially the serfs at the time, they're just like, you know, they, like, literally, like, they were fighting, when the war started, they were fighting German soldiers with, like, one gun for five guys, and the gun was, like, a single, like, bold action rifle, so, like, basically, what, uh, and then they took a good portion of those guns and put them behind the front line so that if anybody tried to desert, they would have to shoot them. So, like, how many guns did they really have on the front line? One in ten? Uh, and they were told basically, like, once you see a dead German soldier, take his gun off of him. Yeah, like, they certainly <laughs> did, uh, yeah, repurpose a lot of German, uh, equipment. That's for sure. Um, but I mean, honestly, it, it, there's a lot of misconception that, you know, the Russians were, they didn't, they didn't have anything, you know, they were fighting with friggin' sticks and stones, but that wasn't really true, honestly. Like, like, they certainly had a lot of. Well, they had guns. It just the a, numbers just didn't line up. Oh, but like that's not really true, though, man. Like honestly, like the like the amount of tanks that uh, Russia produced and the amount of aircraft was absolutely insane. Like they, that was they lost after them the in, war. That was after Germany attacked them. But no, they, it is true. Right? I'm not, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that. They, but I'm like saying, they might like, have had a few tanks, but <laughs> but uh, they, their their production power was absolutely insane, right? Um, so I, I think that that's definitely a possibility where that, where that could have really changed the course of how things went, um, in terms of a potential and, and, you know, at the time, like, would the allies have even won against a, like a fully ready to go non-injured Soviet Union that was creeping across its borders that have just absorbed Germany and its infrastructure and its population? Like, I don't know, man, like that would have, that could have been pretty much like if you think about it the way the advance happened with the germans like most of europe pretty much melted immediately right and if you add another five million russian soldiers to that you know what, what what's gonna happen we'd all be speaking russian right now <laughs> pretty much right or, or at the very least like um the brits would be you know <laughs> like um and like because i don't know like and communism wasn't also uh, like at least uh pre-world war ii pre-cold war well, communism was in the united states you know what i mean like it wasn't entirely stamped out there it was a real thing it was very possible for that to go that way as well um not that they you know it, it was also treated the same way as pretty much in uh germany except for the death penalty you know what i mean but if you were a communist you're probably going to jail or at least uh ostracized not by your peers but um well i i suppose it probably wasn't criminal until the cold war during like the some sources scare, i'm saying you know? are saying that they had twenty three thousand tanks to start world war ii so it's a lot of tanks man. <laughs> it's a lot of tanks but that was in 1941 well they didn't invade uh 
until 41 probably yeah, exactly like they didn't invade right away 41 or 42 but the um, war actually started in 39 yeah 39 is when it started in europe yeah um yeah but uh, that's, that's the thing like it, they were no joke but at the same time it was it was basically like the the german technology was just light years ahead of theirs right <laughs> like they, they were absolutely insane they were ahead of everybody they were ahead of everybody completely and um but i think it was pretty much just it was a numbers game right like germany was pretty much fighting alone and <laughs> everyone was uh, pretty much everyone was fighting against them so they couldn't they couldn't during world war ii right? russia produced 30 Point three million rifles. That's a lot of rifles. Well, and you know what? It's it's kind of hilarious because that's totally true. You you can literally find you know Russian rifles as dime a dozen these days because they produce so friggin' many of them. So the U.S. Keep in mind the U.S. came in very late to the war, but they produced only one point nine right million rifles. Guns. Yeah. Um, and so, keep in mind, they were also supplying thirty million to two guns, million. You know what I mean? Like they they were they were pretty much just uh, profiting off the war for a couple of years before they oh yeah into it. They were until Pearl Harbor, and they were like, oh, I guess we better get involved. <laughs> yeah, it's like all right, let's finish this. We're done. But um, they they really just pounced on the weakening enemy, is more or less what they did. Um, I, I guess I don't know. Japan kind of instigated, it and they were kind of at the height of their power as well. So I shouldn't say that completely. I'm, I'm looking up the. Britain's gun numbers too. Yeah, Britain mm, just over a million. Oh no, overall five million. Five million, yeah. Uh, but they made a lot more complex guns. Like I was looking at the Soviet, and it was like they only made like two thousand like submachine guns, whereas the uh, British Army made two million. Well, so like I wouldn't say that because the PPSH was actually a really, really popular gun and really super they made it super easy to make so they made that yeah thing. this one's the, the british one's the sten the sten yeah that was a cool gun yeah uh yeah hold on here let me just see how many of these people also were made. just by comparison so russia made like what did i say the vehicles was they had twenty five thousand tanks yeah something like that britain had four hundred and eighty thousand nine hundred and forty three military trucks and lorries and tanks so I don't know that that's a that's a combined stat. yeah that's, that's a, not yeah. just tank yeah exactly like, uh, they had that many military vehicles basically uh, right, which is nothing up. so yeah they had like um, well I wouldn't shouldn't say nothing but honestly majority of that's probably trucks okay no UK was right on par with Russia basically twenty seven thousand tanks okay yeah they were in the war uh, for a long time remember that right yeah twenty six thousand armored cars and sixty nine thousand armored personnel carriers. Hmm. Just imagine yeah. the sheer volume, man. Like, holy. Well, like, every company turned into a military manufacturing. P pretty much, right? Like, 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 I, like, across the world. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, it's pretty, it's pretty wild to think about. Um, so, this isn't entirely World War II numbers, but from 1941 to 1947, uh, the Russians made 6 million PPSH submachine guns. Um, Jesus. Yeah, they were literally, like, they, they made them, so they were just, like, like metal stampable. So, you could turn, like, just a regular, like, street corner machine shop into a gun factory, like, because they were so simple but they were effective right? mm. but yeah it works it worked right <laughs> that's the thing they were they were they didn't have like the most amazing stuff but they it was still pretty pretty ingenious um engineering for the time use what you have mass produce it use your numbers to your mm -hmm. advantage and that's exactly what they did yeah um, so coming back to our main 
theme. So that's one possibility. Um, <laughs> I, no, I like that one. I like. I, I find that that really interesting. Speaking of uh, German politicians, though, not to what equate this, but congrats or applause for Andrea Merkel when she's like I think one of the longest serving is the longest serving chancellor in German history. Um, and uh, yeah. I think she she did right by and and also as a woman I think it was funny because she's it was always like oh she's so she's so stone faced she's so you know this and she's uh you know whatever and it's like if it was a guy that wouldn't even be a criticism like it, it's just kind of funny yeah. but she did her job she did it well and uh, I'm don't I'm sure I wouldn't believe, agree with everything she did politically. Um, so what's kind of funny but. is um, the I'm pretty sure actually the SPD, which was a German party during the Weimar Republic, which was you know after the end of World well, War One to Nazi Germany, is still actually the party that's in power right now. I'm pretty sure that's the uh, pre- Angela Merkel's the party. Weimar Party. Uh, no, it's called the Social Democratic Party of Germany. Um, yeah, well, they're so yeah, they're they're still in parliament right now. Oh wow, there was a lot. There was a lot. Man. There is a lot. Yeah. A lot. That's what I said. It was, it was um, a crazy. Um, it was a crazy mishmash of just like people trying to gain forty power, parties. Right? There was forty parties in the Reichstag at that time. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and the Nazi Party was just one of them, right? And there were a small one at that. And it was a constitutional, it still was the Weimar Republic because it was uh, like a constitutional monarchy basically at that point. They, they were forced to... They had no, no, there was no monarchy. monarchy. Like at that time, the uh, the Kaiser had been basically abdicated entirely. So it, that, that's when it was entirely in the Chancellor and the, uh, the Prime Minister, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, so yeah, you had, you had the, uh, SPD, which is the social democratic party of Germany. That was one of the major parties. You had the KPD, which is the communist party of Germany. Um, and then you had the KAPD, which was like, you guys aren't hardcore communists enough for us. <laughs> yeah. so we're going to go even farther. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, but they, I think the KPD was the biggest, like, they were the opposition party to the SPD. Like, they were the, the biggest, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no, sorry, no, the opposition was the KAP. They're both KPD. There's the uh, Communistisch Party Deutschland, and then there's the... Oh, why does it have them listed twice here? What yeah, because I'm pretty opposition? sure, yeah, that, that's just the Communist Party that we're talking about. Yeah, so, but even, like, his, even other parties on the right, he like basically anyone that didn't join his party when he was consolidating was like you're either with me or you're against me. Oh, 100%. That's exactly what it had. Like they they essentially absorbed a lot of the a lot of the right um and unified yeah. it and then entirely just crippled the left. Um, okay. Let's say let's say uh a more moderate party was somehow be able to seize power. Like the KVP like the Conservative People's Party or like center uh like german democratic party uh like their social liberal party okay so there was a precursor to the nazi party too it's the deutsch the dap yeah yeah exactly that's that's the one that like hitler founded the nazi party aspect of it but it was uh it was like a, a an evolution of that party exactly you know here's a, here's another here's another one here's another one what would have been the effect on Western nations. So, Britain, uh, uh, um, 
the United States, Canada, um, if, let's say, World War II didn't happen and one of these centrist liberal parties took over and eventually they got out of the Treaty of Versailles through political means and became an independent and unified Germany. And Well, this, I, th- I like, think that would be the big thing is, do they get out of the Treaty of Versailles? Do they have to stop paying reparations, right? Because the reparations yeah. were heavy and... Well, they, they were terrible. Basically, Hitler was just like, yo, we're not paying those, you know, and they, and they didn't do it. My point is, though, is Germany's not the main actor here anymore. Like, I'm not focusing on Germany. So Germany... Germany has gotten out of the Treaty of Versailles. Let's say a centrist government got it in, and they did the same thing as Hitler in that regard. That they just said eventually got to a point where we're not paying this anymore, and we will go to war over it if you want to, but we really don't think it's fair. Do you really think it's fair? And they probably wouldn't have. But then was part of the reason why they were okay with it was because Hitler had militarized so much, right? Yeah, well, that, like, that's why that's they let why them out, exactly. They didn't want another exactly uh, conflict to rise up. So I think that, yeah. that is a question to be explored, is like, would they have gotten out of it? And if they didn't, honestly, I think they just would have been an impoverished country for, for quite a while, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You'd have to have some sort of pretty pretty amazing turnaround to get out of what they were in. Um, yeah. so, so realistically, let's say, if, if that is the case, they're pretty much just a non-actor, like you said. So that's, that's my point. The non-actor, so my question is, is then how does that affect the West? Because there, I feel like after World War II, a lot of the soldiers came back and they, like, the ones, especially, it was a lot of American soldiers, honestly, that liberated the camp. It was. Yeah. And I, I feel like they brought that back with them and did their best ability to teach their kids about the grotesque level of racism that was needed to have against a certain group of people for that kind of thing to happen. And then there's even videos in, I'm sure you've seen this one before. It's like a black and white video. And there's a guy standing up and trying to scapegoat some group. And a guy in the crowd goes, I've heard this kind of speaking before. Yeah. And then yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever. I can't remember the videos. Uh, whatever. What if mean, we, like what, what would, because like that that act essentially would the United States be more or less racist yeah, than they are right now? Going, that's you know. the question. That's really the question I'm asking. I see if what I'm, you're if saying, I'm going to be blatantly I mean? honest. And there was there was a lot of things that changed because of that. Like you, you know what I mean. Like in the United States pre World War II, um, eugenics, which was the idea of like sterilizing undesirable traits out of a population, was actually pretty popular in the United States. It mm-hmm. was gaining popularity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So would that have continued? Well, on a like it's pretty much af- after world war ii they were like whoa that's not right the nazis did Man, that. It goes, we shouldn't do that and it, it pretty go- much became it goes thing. farther than that it goes even farther than that a lot of people say that we wouldn't have unions if we hadn't had uh or as strong unions as we had for uh, people forget unions but or the workers rights you mean the fact that there are unions and the fact that unions are as strong as they are gets people who aren't unionized better pay too and there's an argument that was that is made that a lot of the strikes that happened, including the Winnipeg strike and all these other things, the government's like, if it comes to push comes to shove, there's enough well trained military uh, civilians that this could be a real problem for us if they overthrow the government. I see what you're saying because, as you've said many times during that time, there was a lot of concern about that. And so I think politicians were more wary of their populace, whereas now, I mean, 
thing expression you sent me, you know, hard times make hard people, uh, you know, hard people make good times, good, uh, good times make soft people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and so we're in a, we're, we're in a soft the, population, you know, just, just by way of, you know, how history has gone in the last 30 years, 40 mm-hmm. years. Right. And so my question is, is would those people have fought as hard knowing what they had been through in world war two to get fair pay? And what the government has responded as uh, seriously, knowing that they don't really have the ability to to fight for that, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it would have changed so the whole American ideal as well, right? Like, you, like just mm-hmm. think of how many people are talking about. You know, we went over and we fought the Germans for freedom. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like that wasn't mm-hmm. really the case in World War One. Like they, you know, they they weren't going over there to free Europe. You know what I mean? Like it was it was mm-hmm. it was much more colonial than that in World War One. But in, after World mm-hmm. War Two, like it was it was very much uh, an idea of like bringing American freedom to to you know the the fascists, right? So if that never mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. then you know how how is their national identity going to form? Right? It's going to be a little bit. And different. how much propaganda was associated? was exactly oh, what you're lot. talking about exactly. that was shown to generations yeah. and generations of you know well, yeah and so absolutely right the uncle sam kind of aspect might not have really been a thing it, you know it wouldn't yeah. have been you know like uncle sam was a world war ii thing i'm pretty sure so like you know there would have been no mm, war bonds been. there you know there it could have yeah. been a world war one thing i don't know but uh, i'm not 100 sure uh, me, me neither but um but yeah like i think it definitely would have changed the way that the whole national identity down there would have went um even it might have even changed out. War of eighteen twelve. Okay, so yeah, War of eighteen twelve. Pretty old, yeah. Okay, never mind. Was the first time I thought um, it was because based on his look, true, right? Yeah, no, that is true. Yeah, he's got the kind of uh, union look to him. Yeah. The um, war they lost the Canadian is uh, <laughs> the one that Uncle Sam comes from. Amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Try it again. Well, the you know, like they tried to take us over, and what did we do? We went down. We burned down the White House. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it would go that way this time, but no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think it definitely would have changed how things were. Um, they would have maybe been less militarized. You know what I mean? Like, because if you think about it, they 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 had kind of dearmed themselves. Not necessarily, like, not completely, but they they kind of dearmed themselves after World War One, right? So, um, but we have to the also, US. Uh, yeah, the U.S. But we also have to kind of take into um, consideration, like, what's Japan going to be doing? And like Japan was an imperialistic yeah. state as well. They were invading British yeah. colonies, French colonies, Dutch colonies, American colonies all over the uh, the South all yeah. over South Asia. But would mm-hmm. they have been so brazen to do so if Germany wasn't already tying up all those countries' forces in Europe? Right. Well, I mean, it goes even farther than that. I mean, is America the hero at all here? Because what did they do after the World War Two in 1950s? They went down to South America and basically destroyed democratic regimes down there in the name of freedom and then lent well, them money they, through they the international monetary fund and then at, at an interest rate they could never pay back and now those nations are basically indebted to the u.s forever but it's not the u.s it's the international monetary fund which is run by the u.s you know and would the well going into that aspect of it right so would the League of Nations disbanded, and would there have even been a United right. Nations without World War Two? Right. Would there have been Whoa. organizations? Whoa. You know what I mean? So Whoa. <laughs> that's mind blowing. It is kind that's of mind blowing, right? Like all these. I think that's that- the one that. 
So yeah, we should. Well, this should be the last thing. No, I was gonna say this should just be the last thing. Is what we should close on because I think this is this is a big one. It, well, it definitely would one. be right. Like we th- we take the UN as something that's you know been around for a long time, but it really really hasn't. You know what I mean? And the first incarnation of the UN failed absolutely failed. miserably. Failed. You know what I mean? It failed. Um, yeah. But, but it failed largely in part to what Hitler was doing. So. Would you know? Because mm-hmm. it failed because they were unable to prevent a war, which was the whole point of why they were formed in the first place. So I also think the strength of the UN is that it has no teeth, whereas the League of Nations they tried to give it teeth, and I think that's part of the reason why it failed. Like when you think about it, at the end of the day, the, all the United Nations does is say, like, this is what should happen, and and then nations can respond in turn and they even have votes on stuff whatever and then i know people embargo and stuff but then independent nations still choose to be like well we're not going to follow that embargo like you know so i think i think it's one of those things like if it was binding that's why it failed because everyone thought okay well as basically new world order in a way we're all going to get together all these nations are our representatives and we're going to vote and that vote's going to be binding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and other nations were like losing every vote and they're like no we're an autonomous nation and we're going to do what we're going to do yeah and i think that's where you've got now you've got the united nations and then you've got the european union so nations that want to be a part of that have joined the the European Union because there's benefits that are associated with it. But then you also kind of have to toe the line a bit more. Again, yeah. it still doesn't have the same amount of teeth, but it's more so than the United Nations. And I think that's the strength. But I can see that. It sorry, definitely I, allows yeah. it to be broader for sure, right? It, it'll. But at the same time, you know, it, it kind of also defeats its own purpose right when you have two opposing views of the most powerful countries in the world there's not a whole lot that can get done right um so there you know it has its weaknesses as well but i think that that's what the league of nations kind of showed was when push came to shove um the countries weren't really willing to act on the resolutions that they put to so it just kind of fell apart right um Mm -hmm. but if there wasn't that kind of pressure um of of a new war brewing it might not have fell apart in the first place and we could have saw we we likely would have saw an inclusion of germany into that we likely would have saw Mm -hmm. an eventual well that was part of the reason it failed they intentionally excluded i think germany they intentionally it wasn't there certain nations that were they could come and watch but they weren't allowed to vote yeah well i mean the united nations is the same way though right there's definitely um observe i think they're called well there's two levels nations um who basically just kind of get to sit on the sidelines but don't get to vote well that's basically if you're not in the the security council your your vote doesn't mean anything like at the end of the day that's not entirely true either it Um, is entirely true because those the votes of the nations means nothing there's security council resolutions and there's non-security council resolutions right um, I know what you're saying, but because there, but there's definitely the, like countries with observer status who literally have no say at all, like, you know. Um, so yeah. there, there, there's there is different tiers, you know, with the with the Security Council on the top. I, I do give you that. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to give you a couple of quick quick questions here mm-hmm. to end off, and I want you to answer yes or no. Sure. All right, and I'll have to answer the same. So, um, uh. If Hitler was killed in World War One, would the Nazi Party still have formed? No, not the same. Okay. Uh, if okay, assume that if Hitler died in World War One is the start of every one of these questions. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. uh would the Communist Party have taken power in Germany? 
I th- yes or for, no? I would say yes, it's likely. Okay. Okay, you can give eight ball answers. I <laughs> Sorry. Signs point, signs point to yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, two, this is a double header. Would the League of Nations have failed? And would the United Nations have started in its wake if, if the answer is yes? So I think it would not have failed. Therefore, we okay. would be a part of the League of Nations, not the United Nations. Nations. Okay. Cause you, okay. And I had another one. What was the other thing we discussed? Uh, oh, do you think that the U.S. would be more racist or less racist now? I think they would probably... I think the entire world in general would probably still be a little more racist. Um, oh, here's one we didn't talk about. Here's one we didn't talk about. Would Israel be a nation? Yes or no? I th- I think not likely. You know what I mean? No, not I think likely. no as well. I I agree. I, I don't think it would be. Whether or not, not saying it's right or wrong, we're just saying whether or not it would have happened. And I I agree. I don't think so. Because like there, I don't there was think a lot of shifting wouldn't that have gotten happened, the same right? push from powerful people. Like yeah. I, th- I think that would probably, or at least potentially, still exist as like the British Mandate of Palestine or whatever it was at the time. You know what I mean? Like I don't think colonialism would have ended quite as abruptly as it did uh, in the forties. True, um, say. You know what I mean? I think we would still have a. Well, lot I think of, as a result uh, of World exclusive. War II, I think one of the best ways. Um, that's when they started realizing more. It's better to have. Especially if they're close to us, if they're a colony, then who cares? We'll take advantage of them. But <laughs> yeah. in terms of inside of Europe, it's like it's better to have democratic governments in that are independent than it is to try and control these people from the outside, or you know, do it in a different way. You know, but well, I mean, agree. I think I think even think like you know, we, we very likely Israel. would have been uh, still. It's still a colony, potentially. No, right? like, well, just, just no. think about ours had, No, just think. Like, ours had little to do with World War Two, though. No, no, it, it we we because you think we fought, and a lot of that was like, hey, we we came and we fought as a country, so we should be a country. You know what I mean? And that, yeah, so you're we right. Didn't fight at yeah, all? Yeah, you're right about that. It could have. I mean, I'm not saying because I get, uh, even at the time before World War Two, Canada was nominally independent. Well, World War One, we I were mean. just a British regiment. Exactly. Think, like you know, we, we, we didn't fight independently at all. Uh, no, but, but at the same unit. time, we we did. Um, we we did like a an exemplary job, and we definitely did uh, set ourselves apart, um, well, which I think gave us some some form of national identity for sure. And we were definitely well, shifting oh, that way already. Ask Norwegians sure. and I- and Icelanders what they think of World War Two Canadian soldiers. Why? Well, we liberated them. Oh, I was, I was gonna say Iceland, yeah, Norway for sure. I didn't know we did Iceland as well. Um, um, I might be wrong about Iceland, but I know we liberated Norway for <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, Norway and um, the Netherlands. You know, there there was a lot of uh, there was a, like that's the thing. Like a, a lot of um, the way our countries look at each other nowadays is heavily based on World War Two. You know what I mean? You're right. Like, it, like, You're right. It would have changed a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, and like we didn't even touch on uh, Benito Mussolini either, right? Like, because he, we didn't, we didn't. I think we should maybe just save him for another episode, to be honest. We with could, because that would have went a lot differently as well. Um, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So we, we, we maybe he would have become Hitler too. Like, like you know, right? Maybe he, Italy he started would have fascism, become right? Like fascism was kind of his idea. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily Hitler's, right? So it was, um, mm-hmm. you know, there. 
and you know not to say that italian fascism and german fascism was the same because it wasn't but um but either way yeah like we could definitely do a part two on this because there's still a lot like i said the entire our entire history was shaped by this conflict right so and and i think Mm -hmm. large part of that conflict was based on that one person not entirely and i don't think we would have been free of conflict um you know from the 40s up until now if that one person had died but i think that major conflict probably would not have happened at that time so it really really would have changed the shape of, of history for sure so final question on a rating out of 10 or rating out of 100 what percentage of history would be different? That's kind of a hard question. If Hitler was killed, well, so his like history from like 1930 onwards. That, you mean, I suppose? Yeah, 1931 onward. Yeah, I and think I think it I, been I, I, completely different. Like I, I would, I would say at least 70 percent different. You know what I mean? Um, I think we yeah. would obviously see a lot of the tech, same technologies. Um, happen uh maybe not at the exact same rate because obviously we do know that war pushes technological advancement for sure um, yeah would i have my nintendo switch if it wasn't for world war ii you never know. You gotta ask yourself. exactly right you never know um <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not man honestly if you think about it nintendo might not have even been a thing uh, at least in the western, yeah, when the knows, western market right? who knows who knows how that how the war being different would have affected japanese history like we had like that oh, we haven't major, even touched on that yeah, i was therefore- gonna say like we we like we could do that again as well because that would have been completely yeah. different. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I think it would at least I would say in the seventies, man, because I think it would have been very different. A lot of different things would have happened. A lot of our cultural identities would be different. Borders would certainly yep. be different. Um, so yeah, I think a hundred percent, man. I think it's a hundred percent different. I think it's different. I think well, maybe ninety percent because I think a lot of the same sentiments still existed without Hitler. And I think that's the main thing that sure. we need to not I agree with that, forget yeah. is that, you know, um, in terms of wanting to a, a restoration of German nationalism, scapegoating um, Jewish people, um, you know, there was a lot of these key things, but obviously Hitler was a key player, but then would my, my reason for being a little apprehensive, like I said in the beginning was, is Mein Kampf and how many people read that book and identified with it. But is that just, he captured a sentiment, popular sentiment that already existed, and then and, and would and that book have been as popular if he wasn't a politician? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, because like if he, you yeah, know, you know, because like he probably that book became popular likely because people were like, "Hey, who's this guy?" Like, let's read about it. You know what I mean? Oh, he's that guy that led the the charge on the. <laughs> Like on the parliament, you know, the right. But like legit, think about the guy in the moose antlers last year that charged the capital in the U.S. If he wrote a book from prison, think about how many pe- people in his political theater would read that book. Oh, for sure. Well, it's already happening. If you if you look at it now, man, like there, I guarantee you, there's going to be books about the uh, the cat, like the storming of the Capitol building, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you know, they'll mm-hmm. probably try to suppress that for as long as they can because they're still arresting people and they're still charging people mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's a hundred. Even if it's mm-hmm. even if it's like fictionalized, you know what I mean? Like, it's still going to happen, um, and people are going to eat. I, I'm worried about sensationalist works coming out about it. Oh, hundred percent. Like, it's going to happen. Of course, it will. Because like. I was actually just watching a video about this um, last night or just to how a lot of these people are, you know, they're like a lot of these right wing nationalists are getting banned off social media platforms, right? Just because of their views, mm-hmm. but they're all mm-hmm. literally coalescing in new 
uh, social media platforms that are being built to allow them to be there and they're being radicalized because yeah. there's re- there's no absolutely no um regulation of, of what they're saying on these places literally you know? literally the same like literally how the taliban radicalized people like literally the same like tactic oh 100 percent, man they're, it's they're just banned it's, from using certain social media created their own social media and then <laughs> well if you think about like, it right like if you control the narrative amongst a group of people who are angry because mm-hmm, they've been ostracized mm-hmm, from the mm-hmm, from the mainstream mm-hmm. media like holy shit mm-hmm, like you're gonna you're mm-hmm. it's just a bre- like a brewing pot for for some bad stuff mm-hmm, to have a breeding right? ground <laughs> yeah sure. exactly for sure well man i think it's been a, a good one one thing i did want to say is i don't think I want to make it very clear. I don't think all Americans are racist. When I asked the question <laughs> of would America be as racist, I meant on a scale of racism is what I was what I was talking about. And so it's not even just America. Right? Like we, we were talking about. It, well, I'm talking world. world. I'm talking it world. Is, How much more globally. racist would the world yeah, be? It is globally. Um, and I think a lot of we learned in high school and school was like about the Holocaust and stuff like that. And that really like like was even if it wasn't said expressively it's like this is why you're not why you shouldn't be raped well like, this like, is what happens when it gets out this of is hand, what it leads you know to what i mean this like is, uh, when yeah. when you blame a, a group of people for something that you know they can't possibly mm-hmm. be you know mm-hmm. uh, or or you blame a group of people for something that a role that you put them into exactly i mean like jews historically <laughs> had to be uh tax collectors and money and lenders because christians couldn't lend money or that was the belief in in couldn't lend money medieval with europe interest, right? right yeah you couldn't you couldn't even lend money with interest so what what incentive was there for you know someone to pay it back and to ask someone to pay that money back is like you know like you'll get your reward in heaven well there was no incentive <laughs> like the other guy would it, say right? like there, there was no money lenders like people like why would why would i lend you money if there's no incentive so that's the thing so it. europe basically forced jewish people into the those kind of roles um, and they wouldn't hire them for other roles because they were Jewish. So it was like, it was a double-sided racism that, you know, if it, like when the Jews were, or when Germans saw that Jews were, well, they might not, like, they also might not have been a part of World War One. So that might be also why they were exempt from certain things, right? So it's, True. it True. created a situation that made them the perfect scapegoat, but it was created by Europeans. <laughs> that's the thing you know? and would that have you know just perpetuated and perpetuated in a different way right exactly um, so, exactly yeah. and, and like that's the thing was it just a boiling pot that was eventually gonna to boil over and and that's the hard thing and that's the great thing about this show is we can you know speculate and say what if what if what if what if this happened what this happened based on you know key events in time uh otherwise uh zach thanks for doing this today yeah, and absolutely. uh thanks for anybody that uh listens to our podcast we're hoping to uh create a lot more content here and we're i think we've talked about trying to get something out bi-weekly uh or fortnightly uh, <laughs> the proper term uh every two weeks and just uh kind of either touch on like i said either historical things or how something historical like a disease coming back or something for example hint hint uh, you know, could be, uh, you know, catastrophic into the future. Exactly. Yeah. Like how yeah. could have reshaped. Yeah. What would happen went? if, yeah. And, uh, exactly. and how things are so. now. So I think, I think even like we so. saw in this episode, there's, there's things we can, we can still touch on, uh, just based on this one thing. Cause you know, certain events are just so absolutely, uh, I don't know. I, w- I don't want to say memorable, but, uh, they, they just shape the way that, um, they're a cornerstone of history. Exactly. In a way. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll continue putting out this content of just, uh, touching on, you know, we're going to tweak what happened in history a little bit and see how things might've changed. 
And we'll uh, we'll see you hopefully again in a couple weeks on the uh, What If History podcast, past, present, and future. And uh, otherwise, have a great day. And thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Mm-hmm.